uh, teaching the kids the word, systematically going through the Bible story after story. So thankful for them. Fun to hear from Brent and Caitlin. Uh, so glad they're with us this morning as well. Make sure you're able to connect with them after the service. This morning we're talking about regaining your first love. Regaining your first love. It's kind of like uh, in marriage. Some of you aren't married yet, of course, and you look sometimes maybe at married couples and think, man, are they still in love? Like, are they? Like, that's not what I want my relationship to be like. Because when you look at married couples, sometimes what you see is something that looks kind of dead, kind of cold, with just, it just doesn't look all that desirable. They've lost their first love. At least that's how it looks from the outside. You might be on the inside of this going, well, it says just how it looks. That's how it is. We've lost our first love. What do you do if you've lost your first love? Well, Jesus told us what to do. He gave us a formula that we'll see of three steps to regain our first love. But this is not for marriage. This is for church. This is for our relationship with God. And so you might, you might hear this and think about marriage, but just know that our relationship with God really comes first. And if we get our relationship with God life, our, our marriages will fall into line. So as you hear this, think about first and most your relationship with God, but you might also think about, think about your other relationships. Before we jump in, let me pray. Lord, this is your word, and Lord, I pray that you would resurrect dead hearts, that you would warm cold hearts, that you would shine your light into dark hearts. Lord, that you would help us regain our first love. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, and that you would talk over me like talk to them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we're doing a series called Conquer. Each of the seven churches is told to conquer, challenged to conquer, told that they can conquer. And so we'll flesh that out as we go, but that's why we've titled the series Conquer. Ephesus is a church in danger of not conquering because, well, you'll see. So here we go. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. So what I, first what I want you to know is that Ephesus is a real place that you can go to today. Um, it is at the center. It is first on this list because it is the beginning of the trade route. So if, if you look at that list that we showed you earlier, back when we did chapter 1, verse 9 and following, there was Smyrna and Thyatira and then Pergamum, um, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. So you can see how it begins with Ephesus. 
Ephesus is the port city. Ephesus is on a couple trade routes. Ephesus is a real important place. And like I say, you can still see the ruins. If you go there today, there's uh, quite an extensive amount um, of archaeological work that's been done and continues to be done in Ephesus. A guy by the name of Apollos pastured in Ephesus. He was followed by a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. It kind of reminds me, as I think of the church of Ephesus, it kind of reminds me of going back to our old building. You know what I mean by our old building? Of course, so most of you, I don't know, maybe, maybe half of you remember the old building. Maybe half of you are more recent than that. But going into the old building and seeing the stained glass windows and the names of all the pastors who had pastored there previously. Let me tell you, that's intimidating. Ephesus, like you want to talk about pastors that pastored in Ephesus. Apollos pastored in Ephesus. Paul, the apostle himself, pastored in Ephesus. Timothy pastored in Ephesus. Tychus pastored in Ephesus. And according to church history, John himself pastored in Ephesus. This was an important church to the region because it's where the trade route started. It was kind of the hub. This is an important church just because of the pastors that had been there. This was a really important church. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Remember the seven? Remember the stars are the angels of the churches. And so what we're supposed to know from this is that God holds you in his hand. You are his and he is yours and you are in his hands. And he is at the same time among you who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which are the churches. He holds you and he is among you. I know your works. Hey, hey. Hey, look at me. Feel how hardworking this church is. Don't run past this. I'm going to go phrase by phrase. I'm going to go really slow so that you feel how, how this church bleeds ministry. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. This church was uncompromised as it carried the weight and did the work year after year. Like, maybe the other churches come and go, maybe the other churches falter, but the church at Ephesus, man, they do the work. Who's going to host this thing? Well, Ephesus will. Who's going to pay for this? Well, Ephesus will. Who's going to carry the weight? Well, Ephesus will. Ephesus always does. Ephesus is dependable. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. This church was uncompromised theologically and morally. It may be that the other churches are falling around them like flies, like to this 
culture wave or that culture wave or this theological drift or that theological drift, not Ephesus. Ephesus holds the line. Ephesus stands for what is right, no matter the consequences. Ephesus says, this is the truth, and we are not going to compromise the truth, come what may. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. Ephesus is like, no, we are not going to get caught up in that. This church was uncompromisingly discerning between sound and false teaching. Like, this thing came in, that thing came in. Throughout the years, Ephesus held fast. They were right. I know you are enduring patiently. There's that word again, enduring patiently. Like, I know what it costs. Year after year, showing up, doing the work, year after year. I know. I know the price you're paying. And bearing up for my namesake, I know how hard it is to carry what you're carrying. I know. I've given you a lot of weight to carry. I know what it is. And how you have not grown weary. You're still carrying it. You can carry stuff other people can't. Like, This church accepted suffering, hardship, and loss, and pain, and turned it into uncompromising glory. I like this church. I mean, I think you would like this church. You'd at least trust this church. You'd say, this is a church that stands for what is right. This is a church that does the work. This is a church that disciples kids. This is a church that funds programs. This is a church that gives big gifts. This is a church that stands up no matter the cost. They, they're willing to suffer. This is a good church. And Jesus says, this thing is really shocking. I didn't see this coming. I'm like, but, but look what you said in the first couple of verses. He says, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Man. They are so uncompromising in what they do, in what they believe, what they give, what they carry. And yet, they are utterly compromised in what matters most. Love. Let me read, like with this in mind, hearing about all the hard work they do, all the ways they serve, let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It goes like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, 
but have not love, I am nothing. And the resurrected Christ is saying to this church, if you don't regain your first love, you could be nothing. So I just read to you 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 3. Got, a, got ahead of myself a little bit there. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So this is, this is the formula for regaining your first love. And we'll come back to this, and I'll take it step by step. But we're just reading through the passage right now. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. That's the formula. That I, like I say, we're going to come back to that in just a second. Remember, repent, do. That's the formula. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Like, this is the resurrected Christ saying to them, you could be nothing. You have lost your first love. There is no light, there is no heat, there is no life, because there is no love. And if there is no love, then what's the point? I'll come and remove the lampstand. Unless you repent. Yet this I have, yet this you have. This is, so this is positive again. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. If you read five different commentaries, you'll come up with at least eight different opinions as to what the Nicolaitans are. Where everyone agrees is that they were compromised morally and theologically. So the error that we should not make is to think that we have to pick between truth and love. Like either you're a truthful church or you're a loving church. Either you hold the line in doctrine or you love people well and you love God well. And that is an absolutely false choice. Utterly, terrifically false. So, he just says, you do the work, you're getting it done, but you've lost your love, but remember to hang on to the truth, and I'm glad you're hanging on to the truth. Because he, he knows this is our propensity is, or our, what we tend to do, is get things wrong by thinking we have to pick between truth and love, and you absolutely don't. Absolutely, please hold on with both hands. Truth and love. Not everybody's going to hear this. Not everybody is willing to hear this. Not everyone will. Um, some people will just kind of ignore it. One time I preached a sermon on giving. And uh, I could tell you the illustration, but I, uh, I don't have time. So on the way out, though, I did, like I did then like I do now. This is at a different church. I was sitting at the back. And uh, people were going out, and this guy comes up to me on his way out. And this is, he's pretty new. Like, I'd only seen him once or twice. And we didn't say hi. I mean, I, I like, smiled when I stuck out my hand to say hi. And he's like, yada, yada, yada. And he just keeps going. <laughs> he didn't like my sermon on giving. <laughs> which I kind of took as a compliment. Like, I'm, well, at least he gets it. You know, I mean... That's better than a blob, you know, of like, do something, do something. Like, at least he gets, you know, he's, he really understood what I was saying. 
really didn't like it, but at least he understood it. I think that's the idea. It's like, not everybody is going to hear this. Some people are going to walk out going yada, yada, yada. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Like, please hear this and don't walk out going yada, yada, yada. And don't be a blob that you just, nothing can move you. You're just a blob. To the one who conquers, there it is again. I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So the tree of life we see in the early chapters of Genesis, especially Genesis chapter 3, where after Adam and Eve sin, God tells them they must leave the Garden of Eden, and he blocks the way to the tree of life, because if you eat of the tree of life, you will live forever. And now the promise is that if you conquer, that if you follow Jesus all the way to the end... That you will get to eat of the tree of life, which is for the healing of the nations in Revelation chapter 22, in the paradise of God. So there's like, there's this warning. You don't hear this. I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. And there's this promise. Or you could eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. But what you must do is regain your first love. So how do you regain your first love? So we're going to come back here to verse 5. First, remember. Remember from where you have fallen. How do you regain your first love? Well, Jesus says, first, remember. Remember. Remember what it was like when you were first saved. Remember what it was like when you were first growing in your faith. Do you remember that? I remember what it was like when I was first really growing in my faith. I was probably in college. I mean, there are other times in high school too, but probably in college I grew the most. And I remember being like, man, this, this Bible is amazing. I love this. This is amazing. I remember reading it at night, and, you know, I do devotions at night, and my roommate, he's doing whatever he's doing. I'm like, Eric, Eric, did you hear this? Like, and I read it to him, and I'd be reading a while longer. And I'm like, Eric, Eric, did you, did you see this? And he's like, dude, I just need to do my homework. You know? <laughs> Remember when the Bible was new? Remember that? Remember when praying, you, you prayed, and when you prayed, you felt like God was right there? Like, God is in the room. Like, I'm talking to him. I'm talking to God. I get to talk to God. I can't believe I'm talking to God. And so you found ways to pray, and you made time to pray, and it was amazing. Do you remember that? Do you remember what it's like to worship, and when you first learned how to give, and you're like, this is really scary. This is scary. I can't believe people do. Like, how do they do this? At our, at our last church, well, two churches ago, I guess. It was at Maple Lawn. It was when I was an intern. Uh, Shannon and I taught a young marriage class which made sense because we'd been married for about six months. So we were well qualified <laughs> to teach the young marrieds class. And uh, we were teaching this class, and it wasn't our idea. Somebody else in the group said, you know, because we were all like, like really, really owning the faith for ourselves. Not our parents owning it for us, but really owning the faith for ourselves for the first time. And 
and somebody in the group says, you know, we should do a first fruits offering. I was reading through my Bible, and they're talking about first fruits, and we should do a first fruits offering at the first of the year. And what that means is we should all give our first paycheck to God. And I remember thinking, that is a really scary, bad idea. <laughs> but they were all doing it, and I was a teacher. <laughs> we did it, and it was scary. But it was worship. It was worship. Remember what that was like? Do you remember? Jesus says, remember. Remember what it was like when you're first growing in your faith. Remember what it was like when you were first saved. Remember, remember when you used to love church? <laughs> remember that? Remember when you used to love this? These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember that? Remember what it was like when you came? I, I loved it. And you're always in their home, and they're always in your home, and the relationships were unguarded, and you're like, we, we are together in this. We are in the body of Christ together. Remember what it was like when you first understood the gospel, and you're like, everyone needs this. You know, I was bound for hell, and now I'm bound for heaven. I was bound for the lake of fire, and now I'm bound for the paradise of God. Man, I was going towards eternal death, and now I'm going to go towards eternal life. And everyone needs to know. And now, is that how it still is? Do you remember what it was like? Jesus says, remember. And then he says, repent. Repent. So look. It's, it's just the life cycle, I think. It's just the life cycle of stuff gets old. Stuff gets familiar. Stuff that you used to love just can become duty. And the Bible that you used to go, I can't believe it, it can get kind of like, well, I've read this before. Worship can kind of be like, well, do we have to stand again? You know, giving can be like, oh, it's on autopilot now. You know, I kind of forgot about it. It can just be kind of dead, kind of cold, kind of without heat. And when it comes to relationships, we can get really guarded. You know, if our relationship with God can grow really cold and kind of dead and kind of dark, so can our relationship with people. We can be like, yeah, I used to do that stuff, but man, I got burned. I got tired. I got busy. I got more screens. Okay. I did that. I'm kind of done with that. And kind of lose interest. You know, uh, we, can, we can go from being like everybody needs to know to, well, maybe a couple of me people need, well, like, uh, if God wants them saved, he'll save them. You know, whatever, I got, I got stuff to do. That's not how to get your first love back. Jesus says, remember, 
repent. And then he says, do the things you did at first. Do the works you did at first. So I, I'm just going to say something reckless. I bet there's stuff in here that you don't know yet. You could study something new in here, and then I think it would be new again. I don't think you've prayed every prayer yet. Like, I think you could pray for something else or pray for something different or pray in a different way or renew some old prayer habits, and I think it could be new again. I think you could figure out how to worship anew again. It can be new again. I mean, this is Jesus saying, do the things you did at first. Those are Jesus' words. Do the things you did at first. Like, what used to work? Okay, why do we have to reinvent that? What would it mean to re-engage with people? I mean, if you're going to re-engage with God, then you would re-engage with people as well. What would it mean to re-engage? What would it mean to have people in your home again? What would it mean to go to their home again? What would it mean to... Like, take responsibility and be intentional about building relationships again. What would it mean to sit and think about people need Jesus? They need Jesus. And so I'm going to invest in them so that I have permission to invite them to take a next step. Remember, repent, and do the things you did at first. Would you do this? So Jesus is talking to this church at Ephesus. And this church at Ephesus, it's important that the church gets this for the church's sake because the church needs this. I think it's important for Ephesus that Ephesus gets this. I think it's important for that whole region that Ephesus gets this. And look, I'm just going to lay my cards like on the table. It's important that we get this. Really, for us. That we would conquer. And eat of the tree of life and the paradise of God. It's important for us. Part of what attracted me to this church is that I think, I think this is an important church. I think, I think the town of Allegan will do better if this church is flourishing. Like this, this is not just, this is not just like, just for us, this is for the region. Like, and I know, I know the percentage that we give to missions. Like this is, this is for the world. That we get this. Will you get this? If we don't, we'll end up like Jesus said they would end up. And he said, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand, and you'll be cold and dead and lifeless. I don't want that to be our future. What I want for us is life and heat and love. And that can happen if we will say, we will remember, we'll remember what it was like when we were first in love with the Lord. We'll remember what it was like when we were first saved and first growing in our faith. We'll remember. And we'll repent of the dullness and the disinterest and just the bland duty. 
and we'll do the things we did at first. Do this for the world's sake. Do this for the church's sake. Do this for your sake. But above all, do this for Christ's sake. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you pull us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart, Lord, that may be cold, may be dark, may be lifeless, and Lord, give them grace to renew their first love. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.